Today we'll be covering how to plan a trip to Walt Disney World and all the essential pieces that go into planning your magical vacation so that you and your party can have the best possible experience. Hello and welcome to the Let's Go to Disney podcast. I'm your host, Oliver, and I want to thank you for joining us for our very first episode. This has been a long time coming, and I'm so thrilled to finally having this outlet to share my love of Disney with you. Here you can expect to gain the knowledge you'll need to have the confidence to plan and get the most out of your Disney vacation. Before we jump into today's main topic, I want to cover all the Disney Park news that dropped at the Destination D23 event this weekend. There was so much that was announced, it's really a lot, so let's get ready. As previously announced by Disney, we knew that the Hatbox Ghost was coming to the Haunted Mansion and Magic Kingdom in Disney World, and now we have more details. The Hatbox Ghost will officially launch in late November. Disney says that the new resident will be materializing in the attraction's endless hallway. We'll be in Disney in late November, early December, and I'm very excited to see that. Also at Magic Kingdom, a new Pirates of the Caribbean-themed lounge is coming to Adventureland. Disney announced that this will be the first experience extending the story of Pirates of the Caribbean, and Imagineers are currently at work on the design and more details will be released at a later date. I'm very curious to see how that will look and what the timeline will be for opening. Cast member, annual pass holder, and DVC member previews have been in full swing for Journey of Water inspired by Moana, and we finally have an official opening date for the brand new Epcot attraction. It will open on October 16th, 2023. Moana will also arrive in World Nature on this day and make her first appearance in her own dedicated space at Epcot. I'm really looking forward to experiencing this new attraction. Also at Epcot, the World Celebration neighborhood will finally open this December. Disney said this will tie together the other two new Epcot neighborhoods, World Discovery and World Nature. This is the last of the park's three new neighborhoods to open. I can't wait to see those walls come down at Epcot. It's been way too long. The new Nighttime Spectacular at Epcot was also announced, and it will be named Luminous, the Symphony of Us. It will officially kick off on December 5th, 2023, and replace the current show, Epcot Forever. I was a fan of Harmonious, which had its last show in late April, so I can't wait to see what they've done with this new show. Still at Epcot, Test Track will be receiving a reimagining. Disney said they are looking back to the original world of motion for inspiration and bringing that spirit of optimism to the next iteration of the attraction. The concept art looks also like a trackless vehicle. I can't wait to hear more details on that. Disney also announced that Soarin' Over California will be returning to Epcot for a limited time in honor of Disney's 100-year anniversary. This will begin soon on September 22nd, 2023, so if you're in the parks coming up, you'll get to experience that. Disney announced that Country Bear Jamboree at Magic Kingdom is getting new songs and a new act in 2024. This new act will have the Bears interpreting favorite Disney songs in different genres of country music. They announced that they've been working with Nashville musicians to get authentic country sound. Figment will be meeting guests inside the Imagination Pavilion at Epcot starting today on September 10th, 2023. So if you're in the parks right now, swing by Epcot to go meet Figment. Disney said a new show based on Zootopia is being created for the Tree of Life Theater at Animal Kingdom. The current concept for the new show will have guests experience the different biomes from the film. The show will of course be hosted by Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde along with other characters. Imagineers are currently wrapping up the show concept and more details will be released at a later date. Also at Animal Kingdom, Disney is planning to reimagine Dinoland USA to create a whole new land. Disney says the new land will be inspired by South and Central America. Attractions inspired by Encanto and Indiana Jones are being considered for the reimagined land. Disney also revealed a special blue sky look at a potential future expansion at Magic Kingdom beyond Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. The expansion could be similar in scale to Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios and Pandora at Animal Kingdom. It would include new attractions, shows, restaurants, and more. The thought of that is so exciting, I can't wait to hear more. 
Over on the West Coast at Disney's California Adventure, Disney announced a new world jumping ride vehicle is coming to the next attraction to Avengers Campus. Brent Strong at Walt Disney Imagineering said the ride vehicle will feature design elements from Tony Stark's suits, Xandarian jump points, and Wakandan technology. I can't wait to see and hear more about that. On the Disney Cruise Line side of things, Disney revealed more sneak peeks of the latest work on Disney's Treasure, which will be the next ship to join Disney's fleet. They also announced the name of their seventh ship, the Disney Adventure. It will be the first ship to sail from Singapore and travel around Southeast Asia. Josh Amaro, chairman of the Disney Parks Experiences and Products, concluded the event by saying, Over the next decade, we're going to have more projects underway than at any other point in our history. Our sole purpose is to give you more and more of what you love about a Disney experience, and then surprise and delight you with things you've never dreamed possible. Wow. I'm so excited for all these new concepts and projects. Honestly, that's what I love most about the parks. There's always something new to experience with more on the way all the time. With that said, let's move on to today's topic, which is how to plan a vacation in Walt Disney World in Orlando. Today, we'll be covering all the important pieces that go into planning your trip, things to be mindful of, best times to go, where to stay, when and how to buy tickets, general timelines on when certain things should be booked, like dining and extras. This episode will be an overview of all the main parts that go into planning a Walt Disney World vacation, and I could easily have a full episode on each of these topics individually, but I wanted this first episode to cover all the important pieces that go into planning your trip, and I'll go deeper into each of these topics going forward. Having said that, let's get into it. So, you've decided to take a trip to Walt Disney World. Well, how exciting is that? But, are you feeling overwhelmed? You're not sure where to start? Well, guess what? You're in the right place. After having made the decision to go to Disney, the first thing you'll want to do is narrow down a time of year, and then more specifically, the length of time you'd like to stay and which dates you're going to be in the parks. In my opinion, to really experience the parks without feeling rushed and having the best chance at experiencing most of what you want to see, you need about a week. That gives you at least one day in each park with the possibility of visiting a couple of the parks a second time. With a week, you can also work in some rest days where you don't actually go into the parks and can take advantage of the amenities at your resort or visiting Disney Springs where there's lots of shopping to do and tons of great dining options. If you don't have that long, you can certainly have a wonderful trip with less time, like a four-day long weekend, for example. You could still hit all the parks, even if not for a full day. You could also look into park hopper tickets to get more than one park done in a day. When it comes to deciding when you're going to be there, there's a few things to consider. You may be limited to a certain time of year based on what you do for work, like if you're a teacher and you can only get time off during the summer, or if you have children that are school age for the exact same reasons. Or you may be wide open and can pick and choose exactly when you want to go. Really, there's pros and cons to going to Disney at any time of year, and what it boils down to is what's important to you when you visit. There's different things going on in the parks at any given time. Do these things interest you? Are you going specifically to experience these things? Or are you just wanting to get to Disney and are less concerned about any extras going on in the parks? For example, Epcot almost always has a festival on the go. Magic Kingdom has its parties like Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party or Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Hollywood Studios has a new Christmas party this year, Jollywood Nights. Any of the run Disney events, the opening of a new attraction or restaurant like Tron and Roundup Rodeo Barbecue that opened this spring and made quite a splash. Moana's Journey of Water is set to open on October 16th, which is super exciting. Aside from that, here are some other things to consider that could help you make the decision about when to go broken down by specific times of year. Starting with early January and into February. At this time of year, you'll usually find lower crowds. The weather is usually pretty decent, but it can be chilly, especially in the morning and evenings, so it's important to pack some warmer clothes to be on the safe side. Also, certain events draw crowds. 
Marathon Weekend ran early in January 2023 and is set to run January 3rd to 7th in 2024. The Half Marathon ran late February in 2023 and is set to run February 22nd to 25th. These run Disney events usually draw in some pretty decent crowds. Over at Epcot, the International Festival of the Arts ran January 13th to February 20th, 2023 and is very likely to run similar dates in 2024. Having said all that, outside of New Year's and the Run Disney events, it's a good time to go when it comes to weather and crowds. One more thing to be mindful of though, since this is the lower season, and Disney definitely sees it that way as well, they will sometimes schedule pool and ride refurbishments during this time, so keep an eye on those to see if this will impact your trip. Disney posts these in advance on their website. In March and April, you'll likely find better weather still. It will be warmer and hot at times. It's not typically as rainy as the summer and fall months. The park hours will start to get longer. The main drawback of traveling at this time, though, is the parks are busy. Crowds with spring breaks across the U.S. and beyond can really be heavy. At Epcot, the Flower and Garden Festival ran March 2nd to July 4th in 2023 and again is likely to run similar dates in 2024. The Run Disney Springtime Surprise is set to run April 18th to 21st in 2024. If you can cope with the crowds, the weather is great and there's a sweet spot at the end of April and into early May where the crowds can be lighter than the height of spring break in Easter. That's a sweet spot if you'd like to visit during that time. May through July, the weather will be hot and humid and it can and will be uncomfortably hot at the peak of the day. The longer summer days usually means longer park hours. May can be a great time to go, but crowds do start to pick up towards the end of the month and into the summer break. At Epcot, the Food and Wine Festival is very popular with locals, annual pass holders, DVC members. It's running July 27th through November 18th in 2023. Beginning of May, like I said, is really good. It tends to get busier towards the end of the month and into the summer months. Lots of people visit Disney in summer because of school schedules. And again, if you can deal with the heat and the crowds, it's definitely a good time to visit. August through October, the weather is still very hot, again, uncomfortably so at times. This is also the height of hurricane season, something to be mindful of as a possibility. Trip cancellation and interruption insurance is not a bad idea, especially during this time. Disney ran and is still running great room and ticket deals this year during this time. Crowds are usually lower later into August and into the start of September as students start to go back to school. Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party runs mid-August all the way through to Halloween, and crowds start to pick up in October. This is a great time to go in terms of crowds, and if you can deal with the heat, it's definitely a good time to go. November and December. The weather is getting better in terms of heat and rain. Just like spring, there is heavy crowds around the holidays. There's a small sweet spot after Thanksgiving before the Christmas rush that is typically less crowded. Wine and Dine Half Marathon Weekend is set to run November 2nd to 5th. Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is running November 9th to December 22nd. And brand new this year at Hollywood Studios is the Jollywood Nights Party. It's a separate hard-ticketed event like the Magic Kingdom parties, and it's set to run 10 nights between November 11th and December 20th. At Epcot, the Festival of the Holidays will run late November into December. Walt Disney World is absolutely magical at this time of year. The parks, the resorts, the parties, just the whole atmosphere is just so magical. If you can cope with the sometimes intense crowds around the holidays, it's definitely worth a visit at this time of year. Now, aside from all of that, I just want to re-emphasize the holidays. The ones that are most crowded are New Year's Eve and Day, Christmas Eve and Day, Thanksgiving, Easter, Independence Day. The less busy holidays are Martin Luther King Day, Veterans Day, President's Day, Labor Day, and Columbus Day. The next thing I want to cover is transportation to Walt Disney World. How are you getting to Disney? 
Are you driving distance to the parks or making the drive? If you have a long drive, you'll have to plan your route and any overnights if you are stopping along the way. Or will you be flying? Typically, you can book flights around 11 months out for most airlines and best pricing, generally speaking, is three to four months before travel. Many factors impact this, but it's something to keep in mind. If you are flying, how are you getting from the airport? You have a few options. Sunshine Flyer slash Mears Connect joined on August 1st to form Mears Connect driven by Sunshine. Uber and Lyft, taxi, private car service are all options depending on your budget. Or are you wanting to rent a car? If you're renting a car, you no longer have to pay for parking at your Disney resort. You will also receive standard parking at the parks if you're staying on Disney property or if you're an annual pass holder. If you are staying off property, parking is $25 per day for standard parking at all four theme parks. So that's something to keep in mind for your budget. Preferred parking is also available for $45 to $50 a day or $20 to $25 if you're a resort guest. They credit the difference of standard parking. The next thing you'll have to decide is where to stay. Will you be staying off-site or on-site is an ongoing debate among Walt Disney World guests, and there's some pretty strong opinions on either side of the fence. I can see benefits to both, and I'm going to outline some things to keep in mind for you to decide what's best for you and your family. If you're staying off-site, you can save a significant amount of money that can be put towards other things in your vacation. Think park tickets, dining, experiences, etc. You can also get bigger and sometimes better quality accommodations for a lower price point. Think hotels outside of the Disney bubble, rental homes, Airbnbs. There's so many in the area. I have stayed off-site before, and we did save a significant amount of money. It was noticeably cheaper than staying on property. If you choose to stay on property, you have options that are not Disney accommodations. There are good neighbor hotels that are technically on Disney property, but are not owned and operated by Disney. There are over 40 of these good neighbor hotels, and most offer some form of transportation to and from the parks, and about a quarter of them offer early theme park entries such as the Swan and Dolphin, Swan Reserve, Shades of Green, Four Seasons, etc. As of right now, only the Swan Reserve, Swan and Dolphin, and Shades of Green qualify for extended evening hours. Some of these good neighbor hotels are in great locations near Disney Springs or near Disney's Boardwalk. For example, the Swan and Dolphin and Swan Reserve are all walking distance to Epcot's International Gateway entrance and Hollywood Studios. Again, these hotels qualify for the same benefits as staying on property like early theme park entry and extended evening hours. On the flip side of that, there's no Disney proper transportation from these resorts, although they do offer shuttles. One thing to keep in mind, though, for Magic Kingdom, most of these shuttles drop you off at the Transportation and Ticket Center, or TTC, and not the front entrance to Magic Kingdom. Also, you won't be able to book dining for your entire stay. You'll have to do each day individually at 60 days out. If you are staying on Disney property in a Disney hotel, a couple of things to keep in mind. You used to be able to book a Disney room only reservation at 499 days out and vacation packages usually came on sale sometime in June for the following year. Now all reservations, whether they are room only or packages that include park tickets, are released usually in late May or early June for the following year. If you know your dates far in advance, it's in your best interest to book as soon as possible to secure the reservation at the hotel that you want. If discounts are released later, you can always contact Disney to have them apply the discount to your existing reservation. If you are staying on property, there are three types of Disney resorts. Value, moderate, and deluxe. Value resorts like Pop Century, All-Star Music, Movie Sports, Art of Animation are the least expensive, although some room categories can be expensive such as the family suites. 
Note this is Disney level value. So we're still talking at least $200 per night and usually more, especially during busier times. Usually these will have the least amount of amenities and transportation options, but there are still very good options and still qualify for all the Disney hotel guest perks minus the extended evening hours. Moderate level accommodations are the mid-tier. Think Port Orleans Riverside and French Quarter, Caribbean Beach Resort, Coronado Springs. Usually these will have better amenities such as more dining options. And some even feel deluxe like the Grand Destino Tower at Coronado Springs. Just a little note on Coronado Springs. We absolutely love that resort. The Grand Destino Tower is just beautiful. The vibes, the dining options, it's just we absolutely love staying there. It's a great place to stay. Now, these mid-tier, right, or moderate resorts are usually in the $300 range, sometimes less in the low season, but they can also be well over $400 per night. Deluxe resorts are the top tier. Think Polynesian, Contemporary, Grand Floridian, Wilderness Lodge, Riviera, Animal Kingdom Lodge. These will have the most amenities, most transportation options, and truly phenomenal dining options. They also benefit from proximity to the parks for a lot of them. They are expensive, around $700 per night. Some are less at lower times, but these will not be cheap. The biggest thing, though, is they do qualify for the extended evening hours. Next is tickets. I would advise buying your tickets well in advance of your trip. As of January 8th, 2024, Park Pass reservations will no longer be required for guests with date-based tickets, which is the tickets most people will purchase when going to Disney. To clarify, date-based tickets are exactly what they sound like. You purchase your tickets so that they start on a specific date, and depending on how many park days you choose, you will have a set amount of days to use those tickets. For example, you buy a four-day, one-park-per-day ticket with your ticket beginning on December 3rd. You would be able to visit the parks any four days between December 3rd and December 9th. They do not have to be consecutive days. For these types of tickets, you will no longer need to make park pass reservations beginning on January 8th, 2024. Now, you may not know, what are park pass reservations? In short, you're reserving your spot at a specific park on a specific date. So in keeping with our four-day, one-park-per-day-in-December example, let's say I wanted to visit Magic Kingdom on December 3rd, Animal Kingdom on the 4th, have a rest day on the 5th, and then Hollywood Studios and Epcot on the 6th and 7th, respectively. I would need park pass reservations for those specific parks on those specific days if I want to visit them. For date-based tickets, you have four options. One park per day, water park and sports options, which includes things like Oak Trail Golf Course, Fantasia Gardens Mini Golf, the Park Hopper, which has Park Hopper benefits after 2 p.m., or Park Hopper Plus, which has Park Hopper benefits plus the water and sports options. I'll briefly go over annual passes, but I'll go more in depth in a future episode. So in short, there are four types of annual passes. From lowest to highest tiered, there's the Pixie Dust, Pirate, Sorcerer, and Incredi Pass. The Pixie Dust and Pirate are only available to Florida residents and have the most blockout dates. Sorcerer Pass is only available to DVC members and Florida residents and has blockout dates around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And finally, the Incredi Pass, the most expensive that's available to everyone, has no blockout dates. Annual pass holders will still have to make Park Pass reservations for the time being, even beyond January 8th, 2024. Current rules still apply. Annual passes don't need a Park Pass reservation after 2 p.m. unless they're visiting Magic Kingdom on a Saturday or Sunday. They can still hop to Magic Kingdom on the weekend, but only if they had a reservation for another park and actually physically visited that park. Also, when buying Walt Disney World tickets, you should only buy them from a reputable source. Of course, you can buy them directly from Disney or indirectly by having your travel agent buy them from Disney for you. 
There are also third-party vendors such as Undercover Tourist. They don't sponsor the podcast in any way, but I have purchased tickets with them in the past with success. They are reputable. Generally speaking, when it comes to Walt Disney World tickets, if the prices seem too good to be true, they probably are. Disney will sometimes have discounts on tickets or discounts for specific subgroups like military members or Florida residents. Right now, Disney is running the four park magic ticket, which includes one admission to each of the four theme parks for a total of four admissions on four separate days. There is a limit of one admission per theme park and one theme park per day. This ticket does not require theme park reservations to enter the parks and they're valid most days between July 1st and September 29th, 2023. Now, this is probably my favorite part of planning a Walt Disney World vacation, the dining. Now, there can sometimes be a misconception that there's no good food in Disney World, and that's just not true. There is bad food in Disney World, of course there is, but there is so much good food as well. So for dining, you can book 60 days from the current day. Now, this is, in my opinion, a major perk of staying on Walt Disney World property. You can book 60 days from the current check-in day, plus all the days of your resort stay for up to 10 days. So using our earlier example, if I'm going to Disney on December 3rd and I have a resort stay booked from December 3rd to December 10th, 60 days from December 3rd, I can book dining for all of the days of my resort stay. This is a huge advantage because if you're trying to snag a reservation that is harder to get, your odds of getting the restaurant you want at the time you want greatly increases. Also, for the restaurants that are harder to book, it's easier to book them later in your booking window. So again, using our earlier example, if your stay starts on December 3rd and your stay is for a week, you should try to book restaurants like Topolino's Breakfast, Cinderella's Royal Table, Storybook Dining at Artist Point later in the trip, and then trying for the quote-unquote easier reservations earlier in your booking window. For this to work, your resort reservation must be linked to your My Disney Experience account. Reservations open up at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, but be a little bit early to be on the safe side. The most popular reservations will be hard to get even at 60 days. That's where this advantage comes in. Also, if you can't get the reservation you want, always check back every now and again, especially in the days leading up to the trip. People often change plans and reservations do become available. Also, some restaurants offer walk-up wait lists, so if you weren't able to snag a reservation, you may be able to get in that way. There's also services like Mouse Dining that offer free and paid services so you receive alerts when a reservation that you want opens up. That's an option as well. In terms of extra experiences like building a lightsaber at Savi's Workshop in Hollywood Studios or Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique at Magic Kingdom, these can be booked 60 days out. The most popular experiences do book up fast, so again, planning ahead is key here. So, if this is the first time you're planning a Walt Disney World vacation, or you haven't been to Disney in a long time, it can certainly feel overwhelming. Having said that, I encourage you to use whatever planning technique suits you best to help you itemize all of the things you need to plan. This is where lists and spreadsheets come in handy. There's usually at least one planner in each travel party. If that's you, good luck. That will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk Disney. This is the first of many episodes to come. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Also, I would love it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. This helps us reach more listeners and I love the feedback. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram for more magical content. Have a great day and we'll see you real soon.